Let's, let's all stand together, please. Acts chapter 19 tonight. And um, Acts 19, we're going to start in verse 21 and uh, read on down through the end of the chapter. Okay. And after, after these things were ended, Paul purposed in the Spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of them that ministered unto him, Timotheus and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a season. And the same time there arose no small stir about that way. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Sirs, ye know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, ye see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people saying that they be no gods which are made with hands, so that not only this our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised, and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath, and cried out, saying, Great is Diana, of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion. And having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. And when Paul would have entered in unto the people, the disciples suffered him not. And certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him, desiring him that he would not adventure himself into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing, and some another. For the assembly was confused, and the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. And Alexander beckoned with a hand, and would have made his defense unto the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, Ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how that the city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana, and of the image which fell down from Jupiter. Seeing then that these things cannot be spoken against, ye ought to be quiet and to do nothing rashly. For ye have brought hither these men, which are neither robbers of churches, nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. Wherefore, if Demetrius and the craftsmen, which are with him, have a matter against any man... The law is open, and there are deputies. Let them implead one another. But if ye inquire anything concerning other matters, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. 
for we are in danger to be called in question for this day's uproar, there being no cause whereby we may give an account of this concourse. And when he had thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly. Look in chapter 20, verse 1. And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. Father, bless the time together. Bless your word as we have read it. Uh, bless it to us, Lord, as it's now about to be preached. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, for one, we grow in our understanding of the word tonight. May there be something in, in something in the message tonight for everyone where it sticks to them and it speaks to them. And I pray, Father, that you would bless us this evening as we've gathered together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Last Sunday night, we were looking in this chapter, in chapter 19. And uh, all the entire chapter is about Paul's ministry in Ephesus. And he spent more time in Ephesus than any of the other cities that he has visited. And last week we saw a spiritual awakening. We've seen previously the 12 and uh, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And, and uh, then he went in there and he started this ministry. He spent three months in the synagogues before they finally ran him out of there. And he began to go and in the school of Tyrannus, daily disputing with everyone and reasoning with them from the scriptures. And he did this for two years. And in verse 10, of, uh, just as a reminder, the result was that all in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both, in, both Jews and Greeks. You know, it's not our responsibility to save people, but it is our responsibility to tell people. And so it doesn't say there that everybody in Asia got saved. It says that everyone in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. And so they are fulfilling the great commission there out of that ministry. And, and then we see in uh, verse 13 on down to verse uh, number uh, 20, we see that uh, there was some things going on spiritually. There were some Jews who decided, even though they didn't know Jesus Personally, because of the power and the things that they were able to see Paul do in the name of Jesus, they decided they're going to do this exorcism in the name of Jesus. And the evil spirit jumped on them, leaped on them in verse 16, overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And when all of it was known in verse 17, when everything was heard, it says amongst the Jews and the Greeks, Fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many people believed that belief came and confessed and showed their deeds. They gave up their curious arts, their, their books, their demonic witchcraft style books, and they turned all of that stuff in worth 50,000 pieces of silver. And the result in verse 20, a spiritual awakening had taken place. Mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And we looked at last week how all this stuff happens. And the result is, man, you're going to get people stirred up. It's going to stir people up. I, I want you to notice, Paul never, he never did a political message that we have in Scripture. 
He is just preaching the word of God. He is just preaching the gospel and it is stirring up the crowd. And then you get to verse 21 and verse 22 and we see Paul's plans going forward. He was purposed in his spirit. He, he decides he's been, he's been in Ephesus long enough. He's planning now to move from there and go back through Macedonia, which is where Philippi is, and eventually make it to Achaia, which is uh, what we know as Greece, and down, back down to Corinth and all of those areas. And eventually, in verse 21, he desires to go to Rome. He has this burden in his heart to go to Rome. And as we know, eventually he's going to make it to Rome. But he's not going to go by the way that he planned on going. He's going to go there as a prisoner for the faith. And then in verse 22, he, he sent into Macedonia, he sent ahead of them those that ministered unto him. That was, of course, Timothy and Erastus is mentioned and then Paul decides he's going to stay one more season. He's going to stay a little bit longer there in Asia, in Ephesus at that time. Now, I was reading something in preparation for this message. And uh, it had to do with the Acts. And uh, this preacher was asked a question by one of his church members. And it was a really good question. They asked him, do you think if you lived in the time of the first century church... Do you think you would still be a preacher? Whew. That's convicting. Do you think you would still be a preacher? Why is that convicting? Because 21st American preaching is a lot different than first century, first century preaching. Because as we have looked, as we have journeyed through the book of Acts, everywhere Paul went, there was a riot. There was always persecution of some kind. And this pastor who was asked this question said suddenly that church member became his least favorite church member. That's understandable. That is a powerful thought. And his thinking was, well, I would like to think that I would be a, still be a preacher if God called me in the first century. But would I be? That's two different that's two different questions. Well, I got a question for you. Would you be a Christian in the first century? Because it's a lot different being a Christian 21st century America than the first century in Israel and Syria and Achaia and Macedonia. If you don't know, I happen to bring my phone in and somebody's texting me right now. Wouldn't that happen? First century. Would you be a Christian? Because here's, here's what happens. When we have a baptism today, we like for family to come. And most, most of the time in Alabama, at least, most of the time people are excited about that. And uh, we come and we want to be a part of that because that's a big thing. And we, are, we are with them and we are supporting them. Man, if you got saved and were baptized in the area that Paul was preaching, your family would excommunicate you. Want nothing to do with you. You go over to Nigeria, where Brad Brandon's ministry is. I mean, you get saved over there with those Muslims. They put a price on your, fa your family, and they would rather you die than follow the faith of Jesus Christ. 
your family would put a price on your head. Would you be a Christian in that situation? That's something to think about. Our, uh, we like comforts. We love to be comforted. I, I, I mean, if somebody looks at us wrong, we're offended. We're upset. I'm saying wherever, wherever Paul and the disciples minister, and Paul's always thinking, man, things have been going good here in Ephesus. The word is going out. I'm ready to get back to Philippi and see how they're doing and encourage them. I want to go to Corinth. Eventually, I want to go to Rome because there's people getting saved in Rome. I want to go there. And he even wanted to go further than Rome. He wanted to go as far as he could in Europe. He wanted to go to Spain at some point and preach the gospel there. And everywhere he went, we had this track record. Everywhere he went, people got saved. And everywhere he went, people got mad. Would you be a Christian if that was the case? That's not my message, but that's a, that's a strong thought, isn't it? It's a convicting thought for me. Man. Would I be a faithful man of God? If I might end up in the jail cell with lashes on my back just because I preach Jesus Christ? It's convicting. Well, a riot took place. Let's move on. A riot happened. And that's what we're going to really focus on as we go through here in chapter 19, this riot that takes place. And the first thing we see in verses 23 through 28 is this, the cause of the riot. Okay? Paul has these plans. He has sent Tim Timothy and Erastus on. He's still got some fellow uh, travelers with him. We see them show up here in just a moment. They're still with him. And you always need helpers, don't you? You always need, you always need people around you who are faithful and encouraging. If you can, listen, listen. If you can just be found faithful, man, you're doing something for the Lord. Just be faithful. Paul, Paul knows he's going to have to go through all this stuff, but he doesn't have to go through it alone. He doesn't have to go through it alone. He's got Timothy and Erastus, and he says, well, I can't be in two places at once. You guys are faithful. You can take care of this. You go on. Well, Paul, we don't want to leave you. Yeah, I still got, I still got Gaius and Aristarchus. They're still here with me. You guys go on. I still got some guys here with me. They're going to encourage me. They're going to work with me. They're going to support we can still go do this. And so they go on. And then in verse, 20, uh, verse 23, the same time there arose no small stir about that way. There was a stirring. Why was there a stirring? Well, we're going to see here because the community's wealth is threatened. It says in verse 24, and a certain man named Demetrius a silversmith. Here's a tradesman. He, he made these silver shrines for Diana, which brought no small gain under the craftsman. He's a silversmith. He found a way to make a lot of money. You remember I told you last week, there in Ephesus was, the seventh, was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. This enormous, elaborate, much bigger than the Greek Parthenon. This temple of Diana, where people would come, 425 foot long, 200 foot wide, 127 pillars that reached 60 foot in the air. And there was this, 
there was this metal image that fell from, from Jupiter. And they, they worshipped this image that looked like, somehow looked like uh, the figure of a woman. And uh, so they had there. And, and so people, Ephesus was this very well-known place. And so everybody came. And I told you last week, I, I, I think of it when I, when I read of Ephesus, I think of New York City. When you go to New York City, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of things. You can buy your uh, Empire State Building. You can buy all these different little trinkets that you can bring back with you and put in your, in your house. I've been there. I've seen that. And that's what they were doing. They, they made these shrines to the goddess Diana, and uh, they, they took their trade, they created this stuff, and then they would sell them. When you'd come as a tourist, they would sell them to you, take this souvenir back with you. Well, Paul is over here saying, listen, Diana's not a god. There is no god that is made with hands. There is only one true god, and that is the living God. And God, that's the God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for all the sins of the world so that people could go to heaven. That is the real God. Your God, this, this God in this elaborate temple, he is no God. She is no God. It's just a phony image that people have created up, the work of men's hands. And you guys, you're going and you're buying all these little idols that you can come take back home to you and worship the goddess Diana. Demetrius, he's upset. And he's gathered all this craftsmen together, all of his fellow tradesmen who are competitors in business, but now they have one thing in common. Their pocketbook is beginning to hurt. It says in verse 25, he called together with the workmen of like occupation, and he said, Sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. We, this is how we make our living and provide for our family. And this preacher is messing it up. Their wealth was threatened. That's why they had the riot. But I know that, but their worship was threatened. Verse 26, speaking to them, he says, Moreover, you see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, it's not just here. It's almost throughout all Asia. All of these places where these people come to Ephesus, as tourists and as tradesmen and they come to the market and they come and spend money. All of these people who come here, they have heard the same message that Paul is preaching here in Ephesus. It has traveled almost throughout all Asia that Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people saying that they be no gods which are made with hands. Verse 27, so that not only this our craft is in danger to be said it not, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Imagine the crowd shouting that out. I, I mean, you start getting in somebody's money and you start affecting their religion, you're going to stir some people up. Amen? I mean, what do people, people don't want to, people want to gather around and talk about the economy and they'll talk about politics and what happens? People get fired up, don't they? And you talk about religion and, and, uh, and you saying that Jesus Christ is the only way. Don't tell me Jesus Christ is the only way. It's also this way and this way and this way. And people get fired up over that. And so Demetrius is gathering together. 
And he says, listen, this Paul, he's affecting our lifestyle. He's affecting our money. He's affecting our family. And not only that, but he is turning people away from our worship. They are leaving our worship because of what he is preaching. And, we, and, and when they heard that, now they're unified and they are angry and they all start shouting out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Shouting it out to the top of their voice. That's the cause of the riot. Well, what happens to a riot? What happens to an angry mob? Well, in verse 29, it begins to spread and it begins to catch fuel. Because in, when we start in verse 29, now the whole city is involved. It started getting everyone's attention. Today it'd be on CNN, it'd be on Fox News, it'd be in the local media, it'd be everywhere on social media, everywhere people are talking about, right? What is going on in Ephesus? There is an angry mob, there is a riot taking place, and the city is filled, notice what it says, the city is filled with what? Confusion. There have, everybody's upset and don't even know why we're upset. We're all fierce. Hey, we're mad. We're mad at somebody. Why are you mad? I don't know. I just want to be mad. That happens all the time. We're, we're, what are we standing for? I don't know. I just part of the crowd. I just, whatever it is, I don't like it. Whatever they say, I don't believe it. And so there's this, this confusion there. Well, who does the Bible say is the author of confusion? Right? It's not the Lord. It's the devil is the author of confusion. So they're all there. The whole city is now involved. This huge city. And people are filled with confusion. It says, uh, let's read verse 29 again. The whole city was filled with confusion. And having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, man, they found two guys that have been seen with Paul. These faithful guys. Men of Macedonia. All right? They are Paul's companions in travel. Well, the mob got them, and they rushed them with one accord into the theater. This huge amphitheater, this huge place, and they're all gathered around. Now, Paul, Paul doesn't like seeing what's happening. And Paul, as he's done before in Thessalonica and other places, he wants to go in there. He doesn't like to see this happening to his friends. And he wants to get in there. But his disciples, they tell him in verse 30, they, they said they, they suffered him not. They refused to let him go in there. And in verse 31, and certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him. These are officials who have heard Paul's message. He has befriended them. They are urging him, don't you go. If you go, it'll get really, really bad. Stay away. This, this situation is confusing. It is getting out of hand. It says in verse 32, some therefore cried one thing and some another because the mobs the, the mobs, the, the rioting there, people aren't on the same page. It's a bunch of different groups. They just like to cause a, cause a stir. They just like to get people stirred up. So this, this one group is saying one thing. This other group is saying another thing. The assembly, verse 32, is confused. And the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. They don't even know why we're here. Why, why are we even here? They're just there. Now, you see the chant of the mob. 
And here it gets here it gets racial. Verse 33. It says they drew Alexander out of the multitude. Now who is Alexander? It says the Jews putting him forward. Okay? This Alexander is not a traveler with Jesus uh, with Paul. He's not a believer in Jesus. Alexander is a part of that synagogue who wanted nothing to do with Paul. And so his guys say, hey, we vote you to go speak to the mob. And this is the message we want you to give them. We have, our ministry has nothing to do with Paul. We just want it to be known. We don't want anything, we don't have anything to do with Jesus. As a matter of fact, like you, we kicked him out of our ministry. We don't want nothing to do with him. Well, the people, they don't care about that. They just see him as Jews. And in verse 34, when they knew that he was a Jew, when they recognized who he was, it says that all with one voice, about the space of two hours, begin to cry out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. I thought about doing this during this message. I thought about having that recorded and that playing the entire time I'm preaching. Two hours. Great, the, the whole city, the mob. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Great is I. It sounds like a rock concert, don't it? Diana and the Ephesians. Hey, man, in verse 38, verse 38, you have the openers, Demetrius and the craftsmen. Sounds like, a, sounds like a rock concert. We want Diana. We want Diana. We don't want Paul. We don't want Jesus. Give us Diana. Greatest Diana of the Ephesians. I mean, they're shouting. They, don't even, they, just, they just having a time and don't even know what they're doing. And the bad thing is, Cecil, they're going to die and go to hell. Just because they just want to follow the crowd. Let's just go with the crowd. I don't know what they're doing, but it looks like fun. Let's just go be a part of it. Well, we see the collapse of the riot beginning of verse 35. And again, it's amazing how God does things. He uses an unsaved individual to get Paul in them out of that mess that they're in. It's a, God, God can do whatever God wants to do. And he can even use unsaved people to protect those who are faithful to him. And when the town clerk had appeased the people. He got somehow, the city official, gets the people to calm down. And he begins his speech in verse 35. Ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how this city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter? Everybody knows what we believe. That's what he's saying. Everybody knows what this city believes. Everybody knows how important Diana is to the Ephesians. Everybody knows 
who you worship. So he says in verse 36, seeing then that these things cannot be spoken against. Nobody can deny that. He said, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rashly. Now he's calmed them down. And he says in verse 37, You have brought hither these men, which are neither robbers of churches, nor yet blasphemers of your goddess. What he is saying there is, these men have not done anything wrong. You're the one in danger of doing something wrong here. These men have not broken the law. You're in danger of breaking the law. It's amazing how God can do it, isn't he? Watch. He says in verse 38, Wherefore, if Demetrius and the craftsmen which are with him have a matter against any man, the law is open and there are deputies let him and plead one another. If you want to, if you've got a problem with him, then let's handle it lawfully. Let's not create a riot or a mob or this, this, this confusion that everybody has and somebody's going to get hurt. He is saying if Demetrius and all of his band of men, if they have a problem, there are deputies, let them carry their case to them. And in verse 39, if you inquire anything concerning other matters, it shall be determined in a lawful assembly. Evidently, there's a, there's a freedom of religion there. It can be handled in a lawful assembly. And he goes on in verse 40. He says, we are in danger to be called in question for this day's Uproar, there being no cause whereby we may give an account of this concourse. He is saying, Demetrius, you and your men are actually breaking the law. What you are doing here is unlawful. There is no cause. These men have done nothing wrong lawfully. There is no cause for this uproar. And so when he had finished his speech in verse 41, when he thus spoken, he dismissed the assembly and everybody went away peacefully. God sure does bless faithfulness. Now I close chapter 20, verse 1. And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. Well, now it's time. The uproar is over. Paul got his, his brethren together, this church. He got them together. They embraced, big hugs, big pats on the back. Probably, uh, I won't go there. Uh, I was going to say a holy kiss, but I don't want to go there. Um, they embraced. They told one another they loved one another. And Paul says, it's time for me to move on. And we may look at that and we think, well, this sounds like the devil won. The devil got him out of there. No, because that church is still going strong. That church was still going strong and souls are getting saved. To the point of this, 
Joshua, I like you being here. I just now try to, I try to figure out who is saying that's right all the time. It's good to have you. You won't find anybody who believes in the goddess of Diana. But you'll find plenty of people who believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? James, James, we are simply called to be faithful. Faithful. We're to be faithful to the Lord. I pray that if I was a first century Christian, I would be found faithful to the Lord. I pray that if I was a first century preacher, that I would be faithful to the Lord. And how I am charged and convicted and encouraged to be even more so in the day in which we live. Be found faithful, right? And it changed the world, and everybody heard about Jesus. Just be faithful. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven.